Welcome to the Perth Roundtable, where we bring together our team to discuss and share their unique perspectives and insights on various topics related to powerlifting. Whether you're an athlete looking to improve your performance or a coach looking to gain insight and understanding, our podcast segments will offer valuable information and viewpoints from the team at Perth to help you reach your full potential. So come and join us as we explore the world of performance with our team on the Perth Roundtable. Dang day, dang day, baby. Oh. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Perth Roundtable. Today, we've got Kelly, Steve, Sam and Leanne and myself, and we'll be talking about game day. So across all athletes who compete in powerlifting, game day is the important day in which we want all three of our lifts to perform. Before that day happens, I think it's important as the coach to discuss with the lifter expectations going in and how they might expect to perform. So Kelly, I'd like to pass it on to you. What would a game day plan look like for someone who's likely, whose training has been going really well and they're likely to taper and, you know, have a really good performance versus someone who's going to come in, you know, not doing so well. How might you discuss like expectations with the lifter? Um, I think that completely depends on the lifter and themselves. So whether to discuss uh, things before you have a competition, I've got some lifters who want to know everything down to the T. I've got some lifters who want to uh, make attempt choices with me and discuss them first. And then I've got others who don't want to know at all. And we, we, um, we talk about it, but it's not a sit down type, you know, chat with what we expect, if that makes sense. So that just goes on. So I just follow, I follow what they, how they like to do it. So I know um, going in uh, to Worlds with Meg last year, we didn't really discuss, we knew that she wanted the podium. Uh, We didn't discuss expectations at all um, uh, because, um, uh, because of her opponents who, you know, she ended up not making weight anyway, but we didn't Want to put unrealistic? I didn't want to put unrealistic expectations on her, so we just knew what she had in training, and she was only going to hit what she had in training, um, given the the type of peak. Uh, um, and I feel for that type of instance, it was like um, we kind of had the discussions earlier than taper week or earlier than peak week, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, going into the competition so for me I always go on what the other what the lifter likes to do in terms of how they like to know and uh, what type of interaction they like to have the, the uh, during meet week if you know what I mean yeah for sure like there's lifters so, that want to have that like day-to-day plan and like everything accounted for yeah. and then there's some people that just don't want to do anything just want to lift yeah, and I don't really have any difference that I'll have if someone's running, like is running momentum or someone's going to lift what they lift in training. I don't really, it doesn't really have, it's not a really d- different conversation for me. Uh, it just means that the numbers on the page might be a little bit different. The top end might be a bit different. Yeah. Um, that's more, if I'm not there, I'll discuss that with the handler. Um, I probably won't discuss it as much with the athlete. Um, uh, and with myself, I'll just take that into consideration. Yeah, for sure. 
And I guess like it's harder, I guess if you don't know your athlete well, it's very important, you know, that you know the program and what to expect coming out of your peak and tape, right? Because if you've run a program really well and you know what to expect based off their training, you can write the plan that hopefully if all things run smoothly, like they'll have a good day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think I think that work happens before the last week. Like if you're if you don't know, you know, you know, it's you know, you have got a fair idea like a month out, but then you know, you're coming into two, two, three, two weeks out, you know, your idea is a bit more, you know, but your formula for me, I formulate ideas around, you know, that three to four week out margin of, of what it could be. And then I'll have a, you know, obviously the peak's happening at that time. I'll have a predictability of what I think that's going to happen during the peak. And then that will dictate the numbers that are, you know, going on the sheet. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think me personally, when I write out like attempts for my lifters, Mm -hmm. I like to have like first, like a aggressive plan, a conservative plan and like as expected. How yeah, how would you write it out for someone where the the variation is just so large? Like, for example, for some of my lifters, those three plans might deviate only say two and a half or five kilos. But if say mm-hmm. you're running with someone who's like injured or someone who's you've never worked with and they've reported like their peak goes crazy and they just outperform whatever they do in training, how do you manage? writing out a plan that's just unexpected i'm trying to think an instance where i've had that um i guess the opener is going to be pretty set right so i guess the ranges between the second and third attempts and especially the top end might be a little bit different Mm. and i think it's really important there that even though it's on paper that you're also taking that into consideration in your head. In my head, I take into consideration in my head. Um, I mean, I I don't know if I've had an instance where it's been that. I mean, I guess we could go on. We could go on with your national sem. Yeah. That yeah. squat. We had no idea what was going to happen, so I had it on paper, but. You know what I mean? Like I was leaving it up in the air and looking at what was going on there and just we just communicated really clearly that that's what was going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the that's the, the I think in time those, that I could think of recently. Yeah. I think in those scenarios when it's, you're dealing with that injury or situations like that when it is so unpredictable, it very much has to be working with the athlete on that day on the fly as you go because you just don't know um so just being like clear with your communication in the comp as much as you can and then obviously in the week leading up just letting them know that hey i'm not sure what's going to happen here we have to make these decisions on the fly you know you do yep. you do open lighter or conservative and then you just take the jumps from there which is very much what we did right like we opened conservative yep. spot and then just judged it based on bar speed and how i was feeling yeah, for sure. Like yeah. everyone's got a plan until you're in the arena, right? And then that's where yeah. where emotions are high. You as the coach need to be, you know, objective while the athlete does their thing. Yeah, so. I think what I've I think when I'm looking back, I think I've made the most mistakes when I stuck to the plan, 
like in terms of like if something deviates and I, and, I, and I will say to myself, no, this lifter had this in, in this training, it's okay, and then haven't made the right decision, that's kind of I think I prefer to, you know, I've I've got that there, but I've got all the scenarios in my head, but make sure I I am able to choose which scenario to go with. Yeah, for sure. I guess jumping on, sorry, Leanne, did you ask? A lot of it's like communication in the taper as well, like with the athlete, because like you as a coach can kind of do as much as you can, but if you don't know how the lifter is actually feeling, like you kind of don't have as much predictability. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah, for sure. Like moving, moving on to like the day itself, right? So once the plan's been set and you have all these contingency plans, I guess me personally, I have a process where like I think, all right, how do I get this athlete to perform on that platform mm -hmm. when they need to? And it comes down to two things for the coach to do. It's like one, be very meticulous with like time management. And then two, mm -hmm. make sure that you're putting in the right attempts in line with the athlete. Um, yeah, definitely. Have, have you had like instances where you've worked through those two processes like time management is very important in terms of warming up and then attempt selection as well because you've had a lot of head-to-heads in the past uh past season of powerlifting do you want to explore that a bit uh i guess so we're talking about time management obviously a lot of my head-to-heads come from my own athletes at the same time as well it's not just that's that can be a hard one when it's they're both my athlete uh, but then we've also got, you know, if we, I wouldn't say time management comes into play in a head-to-head -head battle because that's more of a strategic battle, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's attempt selections and that's putting putting your athlete in the best position to be able to, you know, be, you know, uh, in the position to win, whether they're, you know, winning on subtotal and they they don't have the biggest pull or whether they they have the biggest pull and they're going to close out the day. So it's just putting someone in that position. Yep. So we can we can talk about a ton of different scenarios that I've been in in both different cases. You know, with the someone having much larger subtotal and then someone having the bigger pull, right? But in both scenarios, I'm setting that person up to put them in the best position to win. Yep. Which is always going to be we're going eight from eight, and I guess the higher the higher level that we get someone as well, the more. I guess the less risk we're taking, mm. the more risk we take when you're in a head-to-head -head battle, the, the the larger the risk is, right? If you if you lose two and a half keys, that can cost you the whole day. Yeah, for sure. I guess to play to play devil's advocate as well, like if you take it too conservatively, could you also end up in the same position as well? Yes, you could definitely, um, but that depends on the other athlete that you're versing, right? That you're coming up against, and the mm -hmm. other coach that you're coming up against. If you've done your homework on someone, you should know where you're going to end up, and you should almost know where they're going to end up as well. So yeah. you've, you've done the homework and you've done the groundwork leading into the competition. Yeah, I think uh, another point to add, like on top of yours, if you were to take that conservative approach and you both end up in the same outcome, but one was by you making a lift. You're also generating momentum lift by lift as well till you're eight for eight. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I think yeah. that ties into like lifter psychology as well. It's super important 
to make sure like the lifters just feeling like they're building their total by making yeah, and they got to be on that page right the same page as you so, so they got to be understanding like all right you've hit this in training i just need you to hit it again yeah now. definitely okay we're we're building the momentum throughout the day. It's not about, okay, this is competition day, so let's go hit something you've never hit before because if you go and miss, if, say if we take a 10-kilo jump on your squat when it should have just been a 7.5-kilo jump, and even if they do get it and they grind the shit out of it and then that rolls on to the, to, you know, to the deadlifts or something, yeah. whereas if they took the 7.5-kilo jump, right, and it, was, it ends up being... You know, a, a true RPE nine, which is quite fast in reality sometimes, right? You know, then they they're rolling that momentum and not carrying anything into their deadlifts, which is then, you know, I've had this conversation with Kelly before. So if we if we add that ten kilos and they grind that that squat out, right? But that 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 costs them five kilos, seven and a half kilos on their deadlifts. So yeah. where's the, there's the trade off there, right? So if you take the more conservative, I guess squat. Uh, to lead into the deadlifts you can then take a bigger jump and finish higher on your deadlifts so if we if we think about uh james perfect example the squat he hit at nationals was the third, the hardest squat that i've had in him in competition and his deadlift tanked because of it whereas if we took two and a half kilos less he could have then pulled what we had on the bar for sure yep and you're yep. and you're banking on like if he takes two and a half kilos less on his squat potentially that gives him say seven and a half or ten on his deadlift so the net, yes. the net increases more if you save yourself across all yep. three lifts. Yeah, and it's all about total, right? Yeah, for sure. I think taking taking it back a bit, as you've mentioned, like attempt selection is very important for head to head battles. But I think for all lifters, like time management is the most important thing to get someone onto the platform. Because if you're someone who's like just missed three warm ups. And then you need to go out and hit your opener. It's a disaster, right? So yeah, I think coming onto competition day, it's very important because I've had lifters where they, I think going into a competition, your first ever competition, you don't know what the flow of a competition is like. You don't know when to warm up because there's no designated time to tell you, hey, you need to do this at this time. So you need to mm -hmm. learn how to manage the time given to you. Usually it's like the 30 minutes after weigh-in to the best of your ability. I've seen yeah. instances where it's like, because you don't know what you should be doing at a given time, you're kind of just going the flow with everyone else and that might make you warm up too late or too early. Um, Sam, how have you- I've seen that a lot. Yeah? Common yeah, mistake. People, people going with, with the flow, they're just jumping in with other people, not actually paying attention to where they are in the flight or when they're going to be lifting. So then they, they finish their warm-ups and they don't realise they're at the end of the flight and they've just finished at the same time as someone that's at the start of the flight. Yeah. Well, yeah. I remember it like even with my own lifting, right? Like when you have your first comp or so and you just wait in and then you see someone like wax some knee sleeves on and get under a bar and you go, oh, shit, I think I need to put knee sleeves on and get under a bar. So yeah, I think having like conversations with your athlete well in advance and being clear in terms of the timeline, like yeah. it doesn't need to be that early or you should probably start now or giving them that rough kind of, okay, 30 minutes out, you need to have your gear on, you need to be under a bar and then you get the spacings from there. I think that's really important because there is obviously that always that follow the leader 
mentality in the warm-up room where once someone starts warming up, it's game on and everyone's warming up. So yeah. I think, I think that it's just I think it's just important that the athlete knows where their strengths are as well. Like if they're a bench presser and they know they're going to be down the down the bottom down the bottom of the the flight, then they should know, you know, have that conversation with them early. You know, saying you worry worry about yourself and I'll tell you when to start and that kind of stuff, so they know. Yeah, I think it a lot comes of down to having having everything ready, right? It's yeah. like I'll just yeah. go to an athlete. Look, all right, you know, flight starts at ten. I want your first warm up done at you know nine thirty six. I've already we've already got that all laid out. We have the plan laid out that this is when you're going to hit this warm up, and your last warm up will be at this time. You know, it's just it is time management skills. It's just having everything ready. That comes with time as a coach as well. Obviously, not going to know that straight away how it'll, the day will flow, but then. You can also look around and see, okay, this this guy, if you've, you've never done it before, right? You said, okay, this guy's lifting before you on the platform. So you could just like be like, okay, you're after him each warm-up. You're after him. Yeah. If yeah. your your management skills aren't that great at any given time, you can just be like, you go after him. Or if you're extremely busy, right? Like if you're handling six to seven people, I've done it once before. You can just let the athlete know you're going to be going after him. You'll be going after him, and just like roll it like that. Yeah, I think the the job of the the coach is a lot of just telling people you don't need to go right now because mm. yeah. when everyone's emotional, yeah. like, can I go? Can I go? No, like you you're going in like five minutes. I need you to just relax. So I guess sit down and have yeah. some fucking water and food. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's what powerlifting is, right? So I think that, that's yeah. also going to tie into like lifter psychology as well. So you have people that are willing to listen and relax and just go off the flow and do whatever the coach tells them to do. And then you also have people that want to be involved or just don't have that trust yet and want to, you know, look at the numbers, look at the score sheet and that can also stress them out. Um Leanne, do you want to just discuss about like these two types of archetypes of lifters, like someone who's super relaxed and willing to just lift versus someone who's like more neurotic? Yeah. I've definitely handled both ends of the spectrum. And I think from a coach's perspective, it's a lot easier to handle someone who's calmer um, because they can listen to you a lot easier and it's just, it flows a lot better. Whereas if there's someone that is a bit more neurotic and, you know, they're, I don't know, they're all over the place, like rushing up and down, walking up and down. Like I think it's more just like being able to figure that out before the comp, like seeing what sort of lifter they are before. So then on the day you can be like, okay, I know they're going to be like this and how am I going to approach it? So like, yeah, being able to know they need to maybe calm down a little bit more so that they can stay in control of their performance yeah yeah people that are more relaxed are able to like regulate themselves more was working with that more anxious type of personality like it's a balance between letting them in on the plan so they at least know that there's there's some thought going into what time they're lifting and things like that but also not letting them freak out about the numbers yeah yeah if you give them too much information they can like they tend to just yeah freak out essentially so it's like giving them enough to stay in control but also knowing how much they need yeah 
do you feel like this this goes to everyone like i guess as the relationship develops how has game day coaching changed like let's go of kelly and sam especially because you guys work together how has game day coaching evolved as you've developed more and more trust over time me with him yeah both of you guys um i think the big change for us was states and nationals this year um and still we'll go into malta a bit more um i'm um stepping back more and more in terms of what's happening before and what's happening on the day i think nationals you disagreed with me with what you wanted to put on the barbell ever Mm. um and i let you go with it so it was more like i'm the the more advanced that he's getting the less i'm doing yep on game day i'm feeling if that makes sense like knows how to warm himself up knows how to time himself knows all those things to do and i'm kind of you know picking 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 attempts to stand back if you know what i mean yep it makes your job easier. Yeah, it's just evolving that way. Yeah, um, I'm pretty like myself. I'm pretty on the ball, like in terms of timing and that. Like obviously, in like a bigger meet, like nationals and worlds, that you definitely want to have that person going. All right, go now, loading your weights for and stuff. But I think for most of the work we've done in the past, like it's very much all you know, like states and stuff. I kind of. I'm pretty on the ball with my own timings of warm-ups and all of that. And then it's basically just having Kelly there mainly for attempts um, because she has seen me move for so long and then knows exactly how much I have in the tank and can kind of separate myself from my own emotions in terms of what I want and what I actually have on that day. Um, Again, the only exception being that national deadlift record, which was obviously fueled by a lot of kind of fire and emotion I really wanted that number so that was probably the one time where I was like nah just let me have a crack I don't really care I mean it was there was less pressure on that day too because I had kind of already sealed first place yes I wanted to yeah. be but you know I'd already set myself up just to have a crack on that last deadlift there was less pressure so that was kind of my moment where I could be like nah Kelly I'm I'm loading that up yeah sure um, okay yeah yeah I think as athletes start to evolve and like get more experience like I I remember especially working with people going through their first comp as the coach you do a lot for the for the athlete and it becomes like a very one-on-one personal kind of thing then once once they've gone through those multiple comps they like get the flow and it's the same thing every time like not much not much changes aside from like some little thing like the flight starting early or later but the structure never changes so there's always predictability which which helps within the sport and then as an athlete like it's easier to develop that sense of autonomy yeah i think it depends like how long you work with the lifters for as well like i did notice during um the big standouts for me was steve 74 boys at junior nats they were all very there very much for the game day and knew what they were doing and you know we we're all handling them but you could tell that they'd all they all train together and know each other type thing and they looked like a, a team that was helping each other out as well as competing against each other if you know what I'm saying so mm. you can tell that they'd been prepped really well before that rather than you know seeing athletes wandering around at the back and not sure what they're doing and stuff like that and I feel like that 
that prep happens before game day, not on game day, if that makes sense. So that was a big standout for me, what I saw that day. Yeah, sure. I think worst the worst thing is when the lifter just wanders off and you can't find them for 10 minutes. <laughs> and that's that's the scariest thing for a, for a coach on the day. It's like, oh, no. Oh, no, they're about to miss, like, two warm-ups. When they come back, they need to do, like, warm-up or two. So just letting yeah. letting lifters know where they need to be at a given time. I think super important. I'm but, big on just like like letting my athlete know that I'm setting them up for the best. Because you've seen me before, obviously, at a lot of competitions. I spend a lot of my time at the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm calculating numbers the whole time, seeing where we're going to end up and what we need. So obviously, we, we come in with a game plan. I've done my groundwork on on who we're versing and what we're coming up against. But I just make sure that I'm as close to that game plan that I've set up as possible. So you like, I yeah. tell my athlete, look, I'll be back and I'll tell you when you're going to get under the bar. But I need to go and do this for you to set you up for later on in the day. Mm. Yep. Stay right here. Don't go anywhere. Stay, stay <laughs> here. I'll come back and tell you to get under the bar, and I'll watch how you're moving, and then I'm going to go back to that screen. Yeah, for sure. That's that's a lot of game day handling. Pretty much a lot of steps for us coaches, but. It's a, it's a mental battle in terms of numbers and just carving time for our lifters. But I think that covers game day coaching, I think. Um, but yeah, thanks guys for jumping on. Short one today. And next episode uh, will come out soon, next week. Thank you. Thanks guys. Nice quick one. <laughs>